0: Welcome back to Who's Talking. She began her career writing songs for other performers. That is until she wrote a song she ended up singing herself. It catapulted her to music startup and earned her a reputation as an advocate for female empowerment. And at age 28, she's just getting started. i worked a lot on this question, Alex. Hey, Maya don't do that. are... (laughs) Are you always like this? Are you saying parents are wrong? Yes. Will you come back? Yes. Yeah, okay. Of course I will. Megan Trainer, I love it. You're, you're bopping to the theme music of Who's Talking so cool. to Chris Wallace?
1: Oh, this is amazing. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> well, I have to say I was really excited, and you, you're like a little teacup of sunshine, aren't you?
1: <sighs> Thank you so much. I did have my coffee. Yes. All right.
0: You just released a new album called Taking It Back. Yes. And you have said that it is like a title 2.0, title being the title of your first big hit album several years ago. When you say title 2.0, what does that mean? It
1: has similar sound to that first album, like doo-wop and um, my self-loving anthems, obviously. I always have those on my albums. But um, I started writing this album... With a few songwriters, Mozella being one of them. She's amazing. And she said, You know what's crazy? I have these artists coming in saying, I want to do the Megan Trainor sound. And I was like, I have a sound? And I was like, Are they talking about the doo wop thing? And she was like, Yeah. I was like, Oh, well, I could do that in my sleep. Let's do that again. That's always fun. So we took it back to the old school. So, so, old so, so when you
0: Trainor. say uh, self loving anthem, yes, what does that mean?
1: Oh, um, when I wrote All About That Bass and songs like that, like Me Too, I, it, it was more like songs that I wish were on the radio, you know, songs that I've never heard on the radio. Um, and when I saw what it did to fans, when I met them in meet and greets or, or I met their parents and they would say, This song changed my kids' life. Like they were too depressed to get up and go to school and now they love themselves and they're happy. I learned back then when I was 19 that I have a superpower. And then I have to do good with my superpower. So every album, I'm like, we need to always put in a self-love anthem because it's something that we're all working on every day, including myself.
0: Well, I don't know if this is a self-loving anthem or not, but you put out a video for your first single from the new album called Bad for (laughs) Me. Yeah. Right?
1: That was a little different, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't (laughs) feel self-loving. No, I was also confused that, like, this is the first one we're going with. But this one struck a lot of people's hearts when I played them all the catalog of songs well
0: let's look at a clip from that here it is I love watching you. Watch it it yourself. I I know we're blood, but this love is bad for me. Yes. This is about a toxic relationship in your family? Yes. In real life? Yes,
1: in real life. Um, Yeah, I didn't know it would be a single. I didn't know I'd be singing it on television shows, you know? So I thought it would be a nice album song. Um, And it was based off of a, a true story that happened to me that day. And I got with my therapist, and I wrote a letter to that person, and I sent it to him. And I didn't get a response, and I was sad. So um, for the next songwriting session, the next day, I met two strangers who are now my good friends, Rabel and Stint. And I told them, like, this is what happened to me, and here's a chorus I wrote. And I sang it to them, and they were like, so many people can relate to this. This will be great. And we just noticed when we would play five songs to a group of people, they would all cry when we played this one. And so we're like, let's go with this first. And then for the second single, we'll do a big. But,
0: but here's a question about. I got, Megan.
1: OK. Uh, Break it right. down. Right,
0: OK. This is serious now, OK? Well, on the one hand, you felt this. I felt you it. You wanted to write it. Yes. On the other hand, you've got to know that millions of people are going to hear this, and they're going to think, who is it in Megan Trainer's family Yes. who's bad for her? Yes. And how do you sort that out?
1: Uh, I don't name names. And everyone who is a fan, who, who is a part of our family, knows that I'm a big family person. All of my albums start with a T um, for a trainer to represent like the reason why I do everything I do is because I my family and I love them. Um, so it's weird coming out, being like, someone in my family was toxic. But I, when I also I noticed I played it for every single person would cry and they would look at me and say, my mom or my cousin. Or my, and everyone has one of those people. So, um, yeah, when they ask me who it is, I usually bridge off, like I'm doing now, into, like, here's why I wrote it. And I don't name names because I don't want to hurt feelings. And, um,
0: yeah. Do you think that having this be the subject of a song that millions of people are going to hear is going to improve the relationship with said person?
1: Um, said person figured it out and uh, figured out it was about them. Um, and responded to me months later after they figured it out, that it was about them. And I got a lovely response. So, it worked.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a little it bit of worked. a round way yeah. to get to it, but you yeah. got to it. Uh, this is your first album since you had your son, Riley, last year. And, yep. and, and we... He's we so cute. Is he as cute as that? Yeah. He In is real a, life. He is... A, <laughs> Although I've seen some later pictures, he's a real redhead, which isn't...
1: Oh, yeah. He's got beautiful red hair, and he can't see that well, so he's got gorgeous glasses now. He's so cute.
0: So I know, because you've said it, that you dealt with physical and emotional challenges both during and after the pregnancy. And, and, and what I wonder is, does creating a song, does telling your truth help you nope. deal with that i mean in a sense oh, yeah. is is writing about things that you feel a form of therapy
1: yeah and i don't i don't always go in going i'm going to write about like this today but i noticed the first few songs were kind of heartbreaking they were sad at first and i was like no i'm happier than i've ever been why am i sad but the first song i wrote is called remind me and it was it starts with like it's really hard being covered in scars and i've lost myself and I need you to remind me how beautiful I am. And it's me singing to my husband because he tells me all the time how pretty I am. And I'm like, I feel like with the stretch marks and the C-section, I feel like I've been ripped apart. And it took me a while to like myself again and to be able to look at my body after all that scarring. So um, my first songs were like about being a mom and about like, don't I make this look easy? I'm exhausted and I'm a working mom and I have mom guilt and... I tried to make them relatable and put them in every song. So. what was a question.
0: Let's, <laughs> no, you answered it. Great. Let's go back to your big breakout. Yes. 2014, <laughs> you moved to Nashville. You're 20 years old. You're there, you think, to write songs for other people. And you meet a record producer named Kevin Kadish. Yes. And the two of you come up with a song. We're going to get to the song in a minute, but I want to talk about process first. Is it true that it took you 45 minutes to write all about that bass?
1: It was a quick write, yeah. Um, It's like chemistry. Have you ever created something with a stranger so fast? I guess that's not a relatable thing. Um, (laughs) Songwriting sessions are like you meet and it's a blind date. So Kevin was this man who had a wife and a kid. And I was a 19-year-old kid just trying to write songs. So I was like, nice to meet you. Thanks for letting me come to your home and writing a tune with you. And we talked about where we're from and that I was a chubby kid growing up. And, and we, he said, I have a title, all bass, no treble. And I was like, you know what the kids say? We say, I'm all about that. So I said, let's make it all about that bass, no treble. And I said, let's say bass is my booty and this is treble because I don't have nothing up here. And I was like, let's just be confident in our skin, which is so opposite of what I thought.
0: But, in but real life. I mean, the interesting thing is, he was thinking about all about that bass in a musical sense. Probably.
1: All he was bass, like, no trouble. Well, and you're
0: thinking about bass in terms of body shape and booty.
1: Bass, yeah. I thought like but my thickness, you know, in that moment. We were like, how can we make this make sense? And I was like, bass. No trouble, but like we made it. Basically, we like that thickness. We like that body that you hear when
0: you so hear doop music. So you had the phrase all about that bass. Did you have a melody, or did that just come to you in the chorus? We
1: talked about I think how we like we liked doop music and we liked old school. And he he played that <laughs> tacky upright bass sound on a keyboard and was just like doom 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 doom. And he started making like record beats with it. It was very impressive. And I was like, by the way, I can rap. And he was like, what? And I was like. I can rap, so the first verse should be like, it's pretty clear, I ain't no size two. And we were just like giggling. We were like, this is so funny and no one will ever sing this and no one will hear it.
0: It's all about that bass. About that that bass, bass. no No treble.
1: And I know pop music, you want repetition, you want something easy. And I learned so much from that song, like, after I wrote it. I watched babies, like, dancing to it in diapers on tables, like, all about that bass. And I was like, okay, it's simple, <laughs> but it's clever.
0: <laughs>
1: like, grandparents love it and babies love it.
0: Ah, well, that's, that's why. Drink. Okay, so yes. you finally get to sing it mm-hmm. for the legendary record producer L.A. Reed, who at that time was the head of epic records yes. There you are with LA Reid mm-hmm. and let's look at the result. Eight weeks at number one. It sells 11 million copies, and you win the Grammy for Best New Artist. Megan, how... (laughs) Isn't that crazy? How suddenly and totally did that change your life?
1: Oh, my God. Everything was... It was like watching the greatest movie ever, and I was right there on the screen. You
0: were the star. But I was also
1: in the front row watching, like... Could you imagine? Every, we're still, my family and I, because I kept them with me the whole ride, my brothers are still like, what are we doing here? Like, it's st- everything's a pinch me moment still. I think having my family around keeps me like that. And it's, it's great, because nothing gets boring and nothing gets, we never get jaded. We're just like, do you believe it? All right,
0: let me ask a couple of specific questions. Was it at any point overwhelming?
1: For sure, yeah. Uh, the schedule got crazy. I was a girl that slept in every day (laughs) and started my songwriting work at noon, you know, and now it was like, get up at 3 a.m., sing on the Today Show, run to this place and do interviews all day, talk, 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 talk. And my voice couldn't keep up. My mental health couldn't keep up. I got bronchitis all the time. I was so sick. I didn't know how to take care of myself.
0: There's an old saying that nothing fails like success. And after that song, you people are very so praise you for uh, you're you're trying to remove scars or stigma about about body image. On the other hand, some people said, wow, she's bashing girls who were skinny.
1: Yes, I did get that. Uh, yeah. Of, of course, if you get a lot of success, you're going to get a lot of hate. And I've seen a lot of my friends on TikTok blow up and then immediately get hate. And I've talked them through it. And I have walked, I've been like, I've been hated by plenty of people. Let me tell you how it goes down. And my mom is still on Twitter, like, blocking mean comments. And so I don't see them. Does that that.
0: hurt your feelings, or do you just forget?
1: I was so um, naive of what was happening. I didn't even know, I don't, I didn't know much about the charts before I even got into the songwriting world. I was in it because I liked music, and I didn't know all the details. I didn't know, like, even billboard numbers. They told me it's number four, and I was like, fantastic. What does that mean? Oh, stop and it. Come I swear, on. I swear. There's an interview of me with curly hair and they were like, it's number two. And I was just, like, crying with my dad. I was like, I guess it's number two. And then when it was number one, they just, everyone just kept telling me because they know I, they could see I had no idea what was happening. They are like, this doesn't happen. That was the famous phrase. They're like, this never happens. And I didn't get that until I released a bunch of other songs and they didn't go number one overnight, you know? I was like... Oh, that really was crazy, wasn't it? And I, I think I blew up right after I won the Grammy. Like, my head exploded. Because I I thought, oh, now every door will be open. I finally worked hard enough that now everyone will want to work with me. And everything's going to be easy now. Um, and then it was opposite. It was like every door was shut harder on Why? me. Why? I don't know to this day. Like my dream producers and songwriters that I grew up like studying and worshiping, I was told on like my third album, like, no, they, they won't write with you. And it, it was heartbreaking and devastating. And I didn't understand why. And some, some of them would say, oh, it's because they don't like songwriters in the room. They just want you to come sing the song and leave. And I was like, that's not true. Taylor Swift writes with them, you know, and she writes and Adele writes and I was like, I know I'm not that level, but like they could let me in, right? And it wasn't like that. So I had to go backwards and fight harder and write harder. And it's been like the biggest heartbreak so far.
0: I'm curious about your process. Because I read somewhere that you said melody always comes first and lyrics come second. And mm-hmm. I, I saw an interview with Paul McCartney recently, one of your songwriting colleagues, and he said he'll start with a chord and then he'll just start noodling around with the chord to see where that goes. How, can, you, do you, can you sort of define what your process is or how you come up with a song? Because the melodies are great.
1: Thank you. Um, Yeah, I always said I was a melody queen. I would start with melodies because that was like the catchiest thing in my brain. Um, And I noticed in songwriting sessions, I was the one bringing in the melodies. And like, especially this album, I'm a mom. I've been through way more. And I I went in like, I want to talk about bad for me, like this love is so toxic and how I need to take a step for myself away. And I think it could help people. So um, for this album, I would sit at my piano a lot before the songwriting session, I would do homework. And I would have an idea, and luckily it worked every single time, but I was like, I'll do a chorus, and then I'll let the songwriters come in, and we'll craft it So, so I mean,
0: like, give me an example. Give me a, a, is it a musical phrase that you have in your head, or give me an example of...
1: Okay, so Made You Look, I was in the shower, and I, I was like, I need my self-love confidence song, but I want it to feel like, uh, dum dum do do dum dum like that world, and I'll literally be dancing in the shower, and I was like... I could have my Gucci on, Gucci on. I could have my Louis Vuitton. And I was like, I wanted to dance like that, but what word would sound good with that? And it's a fancy brand. And I was like, Louis Vuitton. And so I. <laughs> That's and, so great. And I was like, but even I don't need all that stuff to be gorgeous. So I was like, even with nothing on it, I made you look. And I knew background girls would go, I made you look and scream in your face.
0: And and it literally is just coming to you like that in the shower.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you I, get a
0: little waterlogged as this is going on?
1: Yeah, I was just dancing and uh, it was great. <laughs> and then I I remember I was in the gym with my older brother and we were on the treadmill warming up and I sang it to him and I was like, is this trash or is this great? And he was like, that's fire, bro. And then the rest of the day he was like, I could have my Gucci, oh. And I was like, okay, there's something there. It's catchy.
0: Gucci on Louis Vu- Vuitton.
1: Louis Vuitton. Yes, <laughs> exactly.
0: So you're on top of the world with bass and the release of your big album. And then suddenly you have a problem with your vocal cords and you've got to cancel your tour when you're just really making it Mm -hmm. and have surgery. And then a year later you have another surgery. How serious was your condition?
1: I had an exploded polyp. So you could have nodes that are smaller, but a polyp is like, it looks like a boil on your, a big pimple, a big bloody pimple on your vocal cords.
0: <laughs> we get the idea, you don't need right? to do it.
1: <laughs> and mine popped. Right. So there's blood, ev- and you know, it was gnarly. And I had pain, and they were like, if you do more, you'll lose it forever. And you need to stop everything and do surgery. And the first time that happened, I was on my tour bus. I was almost done with tour, and then they sat me. They're like, "You need to sit, because we're about to tell you something that sucks." And I was like, "What do you? There's got to be another way. What do we do?" And I didn't lip sync I didn't. I didn't have any way to f- finish that tour, so we had to cancel, and we disappointed so many people. And like to this day, I'll have people come up to me and say, "Oh my God, I was supposed to see you at that show, and you didn't make it." And I'm like, "I'm so sorry." I, like I still get. Um people are upset about it. Uh, so that was devastating. And it was the first time I really upset people. And then um, when it happened again, after I got that vocal surgery, it was just after a bunch of work. Just nonstop. Most of this job as being in front of your songs and singing for your music is talking. It's talking, which is the hardest thing for your voice. Like singing is almost healthier. So I was once told when you're home, just sing it out. I was like, not gonna walk around singing, but I'll try. Um, so yeah, so I it was I had Jingle Ball runs. I was nonstop. I had interviews first, and then into the singing. And I remember I did a, my LA show, and I sang, and in the middle of a big note, it went, it like cut out. And my doctor was there that night, shooting steroids in me to help me get through the performance. And we all went to the bathroom after. All my whole team, my my mom my boyfriend at the time, who's my husband now, we're all sitting around this toilet, and he's like, you have to stop. And I was like, I just stopped, like, I just got back. Like, what do you mean I have to stop? I did surgery, and then I went to a different doctor and got surgery, which was very tough for me because it was, like, the year after I won my Grammy, and it was on the Grammy day. There's the only the day. The anniversary. Yeah, it was the only day that she had opened.
0: Did, did your so, I mean? Did your Did you lose your voice? Was it? I mean, I yeah. what was this? What was the, the what could you tell? Was it just that it hurt? It was that you actually couldn't it hit the notes. It hurt, and then
1: I couldn't hit the notes.
0: And did you think to yourself that this great career that you've worked so hard for and that has just started was gone? Could, could be over.
1: Yeah, it was gone forever. And I also had moments that no one knows about where I canceled that radio show. And we had another radio show the next day, but I couldn't go. I had to cancel it. And I was woken up in my bed by my team and my managers and my family saying, this radio station is threatening never playing Megan Trainer songs ever again if you don't show up to their 30-minute set. And I was like, huh? And they run a lot of radio stations. So I woke up and they were like, you have to go. And I was like, like I couldn't, so I ended up hearing an old pre-recorded version of a show that I did before and listening to it on the whole plane ride and studying it and lip sync the entire thing for the first time in my career. And I was tearing up because I was terrified someone would find out that I wasn't singing. And I looked the guy in the eye who threatened my whole career that I've worked for. And I was like, thank you so much for having me tonight. This has been Awesome.
0: Had and I to left. I had, to,
1: I had to thank him for forcing me to go there.
0: You want to say who it was?
1: I don't even know his name because I didn't care to keep it in my bank.
0: you know the, I mean... No, because
1: they'll never play me again, sir. <laughs> i made it this far. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can, like, they got power and they...
0: And they literally said, you show up or, or we'll we're going to blacklist you.
1: Yeah, which still happens to this day. And it makes me question everything. I go, okay, so is everything paid for? Is everything fake? Like, what's real? And it's very frustrating. It's like the frustrating part that no one talks about. And I say, oh, I'm going to write a book about it one day and just say everything.
0: <sighs> so, I mean, one of the things that comes out, and I began this by saying you're a teacup of sunshine. She's and a you-
1: dark. Dark Saddle
0: You you do have that side, (laughs) and I want to tell a a story. So, you go a few years ago on CBS because you're going to announce the nominees with the other anchors. You're going to announce the nominees for the Grammy Awards. Uh And let's take a look at that.
1: Okay. Oh, no. I've never seen this. Well, it. 25 by Adele, Mm -hmm. Lemonade by Beyonce, Purpose by Justin Bieber, Views by Drake. A Sailor's Guide to Earth by Sturgill Simpson. Between the two of them.
0: The Dell versus and Beyonce? Beyonce? Yeah, Dell
1: versus Beyonce. I mean, that's a sentence. That's a statement right there. Yeah. I don't
0: know. So, you look just fine there. And you have said, if I'm not revealing something that you haven't put out there, that when that ends, you go back off camera as soon as you're, as you're away and you collapse. Yeah. Why?
1: Um... I got up at 3 a.m. that day to get glam, to be on the show. <sighs> I haven't seen that since. I haven't seen that clip. And- I'm sorry, I didn't. Nope, it's all right. I'm still honored to be here. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I was so tired. I was so tired, I was working so hard. And my assistant read me my schedule for that day for the week. And I just knew, like, that was before my second surgery, so I was like, if I do all this, I'm gonna have to cancel everything again and just be in this cycle of canceling stuff and no one will hire me again and its I'm never gonna survive. And I started my first panic attack at four in the morning that day in New York and um, I didn't know what was happening to me. I just knew I was sobbing, crying and I couldn't breathe and I had to lay down and I was sweaty really fast and I thought I was dying. I was like, this is it, my body's just giving up. And my assistant, was like, this is a panic attack. It's okay. Let's name the things in the room that you see. And I was like, okay, a lamp, bed, this. And um, I asked her, I said, when can this happen again? And she said, any moment. And I was like, uh-oh. Wow. And so that was terrifying to hear. And so when I did that, I knew it was live. And I was like, if I freak out like that again, I'm going to be live on TV freaking out. And um, I kept my cool. But reading the list, I you can... I can hear I start I I remember losing vision. Like I was like trying not to faint. That's what I remember. I was like, just don't pass out on TV right now. Just get through this. And I was supposed to jump into an interview right after. But as soon as they said like, Okay, we're off the air, I sat down and I started crying in front of all those people. Gail King, every camera guy, everyone and I lost it and my team circled around me and looked at me and were like, okay, we're done. And I, I was getting an award at Billboard Women in Music that week. I was gonna perform. I had like all this amazing stuff happening and I couldn't do any of it because after that I went home to a hotel, a hotel room and I kept running to the bathroom because my body was physically just like playing tricks on me. And I found out months later that this was anxiety and my chemicals were all messed up. And I was like, no, I must have a, an illness. Like I have a fever clearly and I'm sweating. And I would go to the emergency room and be like, ah, I must've ate something that's closing my throat. Can you just check, you know? And the doctor looked so sad coming in trying to explain what a panic attack is to me. And I was like, that's not it. You know, like I'm very happy. I have everything I ever wanted and all is well. <laughs> but I didn't realize my body was screaming for help.
0: There is one part of this story I love, and that is that at a certain point, you were ordered to take vocal rest, and it was just when you were starting to date a fellow, an actor, named Daryl Sabara, and you're worried that (laughs) your forced silence is gonna scare him away.
1: Because that's my charm. That's what, yeah, by talking to him. telling We were finally like, I mean, we were like, I love you, day six. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell it back to him, and that made me sad. And, and this is. is you
0: and your now husband. He's cute. And the father of your little boy.
1: And my future babies. Yeah, he's wonderful. He's here today. Hi, dear. I love you. Yeah. Future
0: baby, or do we have news Do you want to tell us?
1: I'm pregnant. No, I'm not pregnant. I wish. <laughs> How cool would that be? No, I wish. Um, November and December, I'm going to start. For sure.
0: Okay. So, bop, bop, bop. As, as as I heard the story about yes. that you would uh, the, the four silenced, I thought, do you think we might all get along better with our significant others if we didn't talk to each other? No.
1: We fought more when I was silent. Because mm-hmm. I'd be frustrated because he didn't understand. And I would be signing to him and I'd be like... God, like that. And I would use my phone and be like... Like, read it. Because I was like, help me. You're not helping me. You know? So... That's a trickier game, and don't play that with your wife.
0: So, what is the state of Megan Trainor today? You are, and your music is so light and bouncy and upbeat. Are you? Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, so now I feel much better, and I got the help I needed. And I'm a big, I'm a big asker for help, and. Um, hearing other people like Carson Daly talk about his panic attacks was an amazing way for me to explain to my mom, who doesn't know what a panic attack is, like, here's how I'm feeling. And that clicked for her. So I try to talk about it as much as I can, even though it makes me uncomfortable and it brings up terrible memories, to just in case someone out there is like, Mom, that's what I'm talking about. And this is how I feel. And know that if you're at that place, you should probably ask for help and someone can help you. I was at a place where I was like, there is no cure for this, there is no help. And there was, it just took a month to get there. A month? Of asking, I did acupuncture, I did different types of therapy. A month is a really short
0: time, good for you. Oh,
1: thank you so much. I was like, I know, it took forever. I have no patience.
0: Give me your hand, dear. I, you are wonderful. You think so? I absolutely do. And I just hope that, I would love it if you truly, fully, completely believed it yourself, the only one who doesn't think that is you occasionally.
1: I know. Are you my dad?
0: <laughs> I, I, I've, got, I've got six kids of my own. I'm happy to be, be a part-time dad. dad.
1: I know. It's the hardest thing. That's why I write all these self-love songs, because I'm like, believe in yourself. You're amazing.
0: Well, can I just say something? Believe in you. Because you are very, very special and very talented, and I can't wait to see where it goes next.
1: Thanks well, for having me. I love Thanks you. For this therapy session, I love you so much. Okay.
0: Megan Trainor's new album, boy, this is going to be a weird way to get out. <laughs> Megan Trainor's new album, Taking It Back, is out now. She says while the lyrics are stronger than ever, the tunes are still a party. Let's all love Megan Trainor. Thanks for watching. Catch us every Sunday night on CNN and keep streaming anytime you want on HBO Max to find out who's talking next. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high quality sleep every night. Sleep next level.